on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Immac Sports. Instagram is also at Immac Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 91. It's a little late, but we got everything you're looking for. Baseball, basketball, college, baseball, NHL. We're going to talk about it all. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of things to talk about this week. We're going to try to do it somewhat quick, even though we got a lot of things on our slate because it is getting a little late. So we do want to get this episode up before it turns to Wednesday. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> let's start with the opener. Skeller, mm-hmm. why do you got finals game two as the best thing that you saw in this past week? Because we have to have some kind of Warriors thing here in the opener, especially since they're in the finals. And uh, bounce back game two, very awesome win. Steph was awesome. Clay was awesome. Wiggins and Poole had their moments. Draymond played with so much energy. And, uh, you know, they're they're looking great right now. Yeah, game two for the Dubs was definitely a big win for them. And honestly, I like that combination more of losing the first. If we had to lose a game in the first two, losing the first one and win the second one, because going away, uh, that win just feels a bit better than losing game two and then having to go to Boston. But anyways, I'm going to talk about the Angels implosion on Sunday is the favorite thing I saw from this past week. It all started, I guess it kind of started, when the the Angels were up 6-2 to in the bottom of the eighth inning. They were on a 10-game losing streak, and it looked like it was finally going to be over. Uh, but 6-2, 3-2 count in the bottom of the eighth for Bryce Harper when he hits a game-tying grand slam. Don't worry. The Angels scored a run in the ninth to take the lead. But then Bryson Stott, the rookie for the Phillies, hits a walk-off three-run home run in the bottom half of the inning for the Angels to lose their 11th in a row. Obviously, the Angels have been in the news a lot the past few days, most recently just today with Joe Madden, their head coach or manager, I guess, uh, being fired. We'll talk more about those Angels later. And we're not going to be talking about their uh, new City Connect jerseys. That's for sure. Next up is the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. And we're going with the man who hit a cycle last night. That is Eduardo Escobar. Big free only, agent pickup. Yeah, I believe it's only the second cycle in Mets history. Wow. Uh, I'm blanking on the first person who did it. But uh, it was the believe first me. cycle in MLB history. To He went into the eighth inning with only a single and a double. He had a home run in the eighth and then a triple in the ninth. And that's the first person to ever complete a cycle by having a home run in the eighth and a triple in the ninth. So pretty nuts for Eduardo Escobar. I remember seeing him get a notification on my phone saying that he was supercharged and I will be the show. I'm like, what the heck did he do? Like <laughs> I didn't even notice. And I guess he hit for the cycle last night. So good for him. How about our favorite number 91 together? Cause it is episode yeah. 91. It's gotta be Dennis Rodman, right? It's the most iconic 91. You see that number, you know, Dennis Rodman wore it 100%. You can't say that about a lot of numbers. Yeah, let me let me just go through Dennis Rodman's nicknames that they have listed on <laughs> Basketball Reference. We have The Worm, Dennis the Menace, Country, Psycho, Rodzilla, Demolition Man, and El Loco. I've never seen so many, so many nicknames on one person. Uh, but let's talk about his actual basketball resume. Hall of Famer, only a two-time All-Star. Rebound champ seven times, two-time All-NBA, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, eight-time All-Defensive on the 75th anniversary team, and he's a five-time champ, obviously, most notably with those Bulls teams with Scottie mm-hmm. Pippen and MJ in the late 90s. There's a few guys you could have chose if you went football here, Cameron Way, Kevin Green, uh, a few of those guys, but uh, Dennis Rodman's got to be that guy for sure on here. Let's go ahead and get it now to the team reports. Is there anything with the Jets that you want to talk about in early June, Skyler? One quick thing that was kind of weird. They started a little bit of contact in the OTAs, and the reports coming out were 50-50 on Zach Wilson sucked, and Zach Wilson looked awesome. So I don't know what to think about this. No one really does. I guess we're just supposed to take the positives in early minicamp, but that's what I got for you. Some weird reports. Yeah, only 
only a few reports for the Raiders. I believe the Raiders and the Jets probably had their OTAs start yesterday or today, whatever day it was. But uh, Josh Jacobs, not there uh, for mandatory OTAs. Doesn't really mean anything to me because I think this is probably Josh Jacobs last year as a Raider anyways. Uh, we have a whole bunch of other running backs. So if he just wants to act like this is about himself, we'll give the ball to Kenyon Drake and Zamir White and those guys that we have uh, in the draft as well as Britton Brown. But uh, it's too bad on Josh Jacobs. He's going to be missing out on something special if he's not going to be reporting to this team. Uh, I assume, though, he will eventually. I know he was at media day yesterday, which is kind of weird. But uh, why not be at OTAs? Uh, his agent told him not to probably. Yeah. I don't know. He's not getting an extension. I know that. So it's kind of weird, but, uh, let's go ahead and get to the spotlight now. Something that we've been adding on in these past few weeks and probably more about a month or so at this point where we talk about something, but we usually wouldn't be talking about within the podcast. And Skyler's got an interesting one. Yeah. So and I got some got here some college baseball here, homegrown Pleasanton infielder, Sam Nowitzki who I played a little bit with third baseman for Oregon in an elimination game against Southeastern Missouri, three for five, four RBIs, um, just a, a complete dominant performance here, especially in an elimination game. They didn't win the, uh, the regional. They lost to Louisville at Louisville, which is tough, but uh, good for, for the homegrown guys. The, pretty much the uh, other than, than Hanson, he was the only guy playing a lot. Uh, this weekend so good for him uh, just about everybody's back home now at this yeah. point i'm gonna be talking about a big leaguer and that's christopher morale and i'm surprised there's not a lot more people talking about this guy's insane start for the cubs you he's only really 20 he's he's a stud he's 22 years old he's already played four different positions second base third base shortstop and center fielder he's gotten on base of and uh, every single game of his 21 game career so far 24 for 82, three home runs, nine RBIs, six stolen bases, hitting just under 300, OBP just under 380, and slugging percentage at 500 right now. I picked him up in fantasy a couple weeks ago. This guy is fun to watch. And with him only being 22, I assume he's going to continue to get a lot better over his career. So it looks like another young star for the Cubs which is something that they haven't really had too often in in these past few years. So pretty good on them there. Let's go ahead and get it to where's your head at now. We're starting off the way that we start every week off with our player pitcher and rookie of the week within the MLB together. Who is your player of the week? We'll start off with Jordan Alvarez from the Astros here. Nine for 19, 474. Two homers, three walks, six RBIs. Uh, was just a complete menace in the two series he he played, and uh, couldn't get him out. Yeah, Jordan's a stud for sure. I am going away from Jordan though, and I'm going with Santiago Espinal, one of my favorite players within the big leagues. Ten for twenty-four, three RB or three home runs and nine RBIs, uh, and just another big bat now that's coming alive in that Blue Jays lineup. They've won like eight or nine in a row at this point. And the Jays are finally looking like they were the team that we were expecting them to be when we first got into the season after their slow start. Let's go ahead and take it to Pitcher of the Week. All right, my Pitcher of the Week is going to be Luis Severino from the Yankees. Seven innings, one hit, no runs, 10 strikeouts against the Tigers. A guy who is coming back from injury, and he's been pretty solid since he's been back. Yeah. Severino was the guy I could have chose. I decided to go with Michael Waka through a complete game shutout last night against the Angels. Three hits, one walk, and six strikeouts. I know it was against an Angels team that has lost 12 in a row, and it will go down as Joe Madden's last game as the manager <laughs> of the Angels. But Michael Waka caps or dip the cap to him, man. I mean, he's a great performance for sure. On to rookie of the week. Skyler, what do you got here? I have co-winners. I couldn't decide because there's Mackenzie Gore, six innings, no runs, 10 Ks at Milwaukee is crazy. I believe that's his third or fourth week in a row winning it for me, but you can't forget about Bryson Stott, the Philly infielder, six RBIs hit 500 two sorry, 300, two homers, including the walk-off homer to cop off the, uh, the crazy comeback against the angels after Bryce Harper's grand slam. 
Uh, I also did co-winners of the week, one of them being Mackenzie Gore. Skyler already mentioned his uh, double-digit strikeout performance against Milwaukee over the weekend. But my second guy that I'm going to go with as well is Hunter Green. He had two starts over this past week. One of them wasn't that good, but the second one was really good. In total, though, 10 and two-thirds innings pitched and 16 strikeouts over those 10 and two-thirds innings that led the league in strikeouts over this past seven days. But yesterday, he had a seven-inning complete game shutout against the Diamondbacks. The reason why that was a complete game shutout in seven innings was because of a rain delay. Uh, but this should have been a no-hitter. This really should have. The only hit that he allowed was a Dalton Varsho bunt base hit when they were down by four runs. Uh, eight strikeouts fun. for Hunter Green. Uh, and if he got that no-hitter done, it would have been the second no-hitter that he's been a part of because he did – throw a combined no-hitter uh, against Pirates earlier this year in a game that they lost. But the biggest thing is Hunter Green had zero walks in this performance. So good job by him. And it's good to see him finally finally turn it on after a super slow start in his big league career. We're going to talk about the Angels now. Uh, it was bound to happen at some point. Joe Madden gets fired after two and a half subpar years as the – as uh, Anaheim's manager, uh, I mean, we wrote this headline before he got fired. We said, can we already put a fork into the Angels and just say that they're done? Skyler, what do you think? There's obviously a lot going on with this team, plus Joe Madden getting fired. Again, this is before, so even crazier than what we originally thought. But they're still only a game and a half back of the wild card. They have two of the best players in Major League Baseball. I feel the same with this team as I do with the White Sox. It's not over, but they still got to get their shit together. Yeah, I mean, we've seen multiple times, more within basketball, because midseason firings don't happen too often within uh, baseball. But like a team has their coach fired. They have something else just kick in with their new coach, and they go on a good run and make the playoffs. But the Angels, I I just don't see that happening. I'm going to stick a fork in them right now. And the reason why I'm doing that is because even when they were good, we were predicting them to not make the playoffs. We, we, we go back to early May when we were doing our – like every other week or so, we do these predictions on who we think is going to make the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure we never had them in. Like they just weren't that team that were like, oh, yeah, this team's here for good. And that's because – Especially the, the AL East heating up right now. It's, exactly. it's the perfect time for them. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also the reason why we're doing that is because the angels have shown that like they can't put it together for 162 games. And even when they do put it together for 162 games, they get swept in three games by the Royals. Example. Yeah. Mike Trout has a total of zero career playoff wins. Like that's just not, it's the best player. Is he still on seen. a Zofer? Uh He got that done last night. Okay. Uh, he got a hit. He had one of the three hits against Michael Waka. Uh, but that 12 game win streak or losing streak is obviously insane for them. They were 27 and 17. Now they are 27 and 29. They just started their game against the Red Sox tonight. Uh, see if there's a score in that game quite yet. And there was not. Uh, that's just in the bottom of the first, though. So a lot of ways to go in that game. But the Angels. Are in a bad spot right now for mm. sure. Alrighty. We're gonna be doing some would you rather now. Pretty interesting thing here. Only three three little would you rathers here, but they're all pretty fun. They're all pretty close. First one is gonna be a battle between two young pitchers, three scooball the lefty for the Tigers, and Logan Gilbert, the big right-hander for the Seattle Mariners. Together, we got these two young studs are that mm. are just having complete breakout seasons last year. I think they both came up last year. Uh, both had some performances were like, okay, these guys can be top of the line guys. And they also had some performances were like, yeah, maybe they're not quite there yet. This year, they've shown that they're both there. Who are you taking out of these two young, exciting pitchers? I think this one might be the closest, especially looking at their stats this year. They're almost identical. It's ridiculous. Uh, that's probably why you chose it. So thanks. Uh, but I think I have to go with Gilbert because Scooball uh, had a, an injury more recently. That like that's that's the decider for me. It's so close. I'm going with Scooball. I, I've Scooball's a guy 
that every time that I see him pitch, I got to watch. There's not a lot of guys in the big leagues that I can say that for, but his stuff is so electric. He's fun to watch. He strikes a lot of guys out. Uh, and I use six different stats to determine my, uh, my decision here. Scooball, 9.4 K per nine, Gilbert 9.2 walks per nine, 1.5 for Scooball, 2.6 for Gilbert. So Scooball has an edge there as well as the slight edge or pretty much the same thing as in K per nine. Scooball has given up two home runs this year, two home runs in like 59 innings, which is absolutely insane. You now that I said that, he's probably going to have two bombs to the Pirates tonight. Probably. But, uh, hopefully not. Uh, Gilbert, pretty good at giving up home runs as well, but still a little bit more when it comes to that. And then I also use Babbitt, FIP, and ERA. Just a couple basic sets that are being used pretty often now for pitchers. Scooball has the higher Babbitt, so I guess Gilbert kind of gets the edge there. The fielding, independent pitching, Scooball has quite the lead there. 2.01 for Scooball and Gilbert 3.09 for him. And then ERA, Scooball has a slight edge as well. Uh, and I'm picking Tariq because he's he's just fun to watch. So I like Gilbert. I hope he's not going to be as good as Scooball because I don't want him to be good in our division. But mm-hmm. taking Tariq. On to the next one, which is Zach Gallon versus Pablo Lopez. I believe they were teammates at some point in the minor leagues considering Gallon came up in the Miami system. But who are you taking between these two guys who are, again, just having these great breakout seasons to become top line guys in the rotation? I'm going to go with Pablo Lopez here. Here's your BABIP and FIP guy. He's got ridiculous stuff, and he's been so consistent ever since he got called up. Zach Gallen, not far off, but he did have a, a mid-fours ERA last year, which uh, is a little scary. Just right in the middle of of dominance. There's just a really bad year that uh, could be an outlier, but... I got to wait and see this. This one I think is the closest out of any of them. Maybe, maybe not compared to this next one that we have after this, because that one's pretty close too. but I'm going to go Pablo Lopez very slightly. Uh, he strikes out more guys, walks a few less, does give up a bit more home runs, but it's nothing crazy when it comes to that. Uh, his fielding independent pitching is lower. Uh, BAPIP is a little bit higher. ERA is a little bit higher. Lopez had a really good April, and then uh, a good May, but just not as good as he was in April. And that's asking him to continue that his one ERA was just unrealistic at that point. But I'm taking Pablo Lopez. I feel like he has that little bit more of consistency, like Skyler was talking about over the past few years. Uh, Gallon has great stuff this year, but in years past, he's been a little shaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going with Pablo Lopez, the current Miami Marlin. And now we got a big time one before we get to our top 10 second baseman. We have Jose Ramirez or Mookie Betts. Uh, and the, when I was looking up the stats for these guys, this, this one really, really intrigued me because since 2018, Mookie ranks number one and J-Ram ranks number three in total war. That number two guy in between them is Mike Trout. So J-Ram, Good list. I feel like Mookie's consensusly always looked as this top five player in big leagues. Uh, J-Ram, not quite yet, but I mean, maybe it will be. We'll see how it goes in this uh, and what Skyler thinks here. So Skyler, who do you got between these two superstars within the game? I can understand the J-Ram take here, but it's nowhere near Mookie Betts' versatility and defense, and that defense is game-changing. We've seen this year, uh, you know, not even looking at the numbers, he has throws, outfield assists that have changed the game. And he's already has a higher D-war than he did last year in just 22 games or whatever he's played. Uh, so I got to go with Mookie just for that. You can, Just on the eye test alone, you can, you can say Mookie. Yeah, I tried to not look at this season alone. I know these two guys are still having great seasons. Uh, but as far as that 2018 to 2022 stretch that I was looking at for the war, uh, these are how those two guys compare. Mookie has 116 home runs and J-Ram has 129. So J-Ram gets a bit of an edge there. J-Ram has also played about 40 more games than Mookie, uh, but not that big of a difference where these stats are going to be overly changed by that. Uh, stolen bases. Mookie has 72 and J-Ram has 102. So J-Ram is a bit faster when it comes to that aspect. OPS, Mookie at 951, J-Ram at 909. And then WRC Plus, which is all the rim nowadays, Mookie has a slight edge on that as well. 152 uh, for him, 
And then JRAM at 141. Mookie is definitely more valuable fielding. Uh, I'd say JRAM is JRAM's amazing, but I, I got to go Mookie still. I think it's very, very close, though. And I think it's a, a lot of people, when you just say this argument to them uh, of who's better between these guys, I think it's a lot of people immediately will say Mookie. And I think it's starting to get to the time now with JRAM that he's been so consistent over these past five years at this point that it needs to become a conversation. Yeah, that's why we're having it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, now, uh, we got a couple more things before halftime, but we're going to be continuing our rankings that we've done for the past two weeks. This is our third week doing it. We did catchers two weeks ago, did first baseman last week. So if you want those lists, go back to our previous episodes in episode 89 and 90 to go check those out. But we're doing our top 10 second baseman today, Skyler. Any honorable mentions before we start? I don't. I probably should have, but I don't. There's a few guys I have on my honorable mentions list, uh, which were just so tough to leave off. But uh, I don't know. I had to put them on here somewhere. That's Brandon Lau, who's been terrible this year, but one of the mainstays in this conversation over the past few years. Gene Segura, who I feel his power not being there is kind of making him tough and he's not as fast anymore. Jorge Polanco, who's having him down year, but was really good last year. And then Jake Cronenworth, uh, who's really good, but just not as good as these eight, nine, 10 guys that I have on this list. So why don't we get it started with the only double digit on this list? Number 10. All right. We'll start off with Brendan Rogers. Uh, he's a guy who former top prospect and maybe once a month you get a series where you, he's just unstoppable. And yeah, uh, that's enough week. for me. Yeah. He won an old player of the week, I believe this past week. Yeah. Uh, number 10 for me though, is going to be Jonathan India 2020 season in his rookie year last year. Uh, got him the NL rookie of the year, not a super competitive field though. I think uh, Trevor Rogers is really the only one that had a chance. I'm, I believe it's Trevor Rogers. All these Rogers are giving me so confused. There's Taylor, Tyler, and Trevor. So I believe it's Trevor, the one that's on the Marlins, is what I'm talking about. Yeah. But Jonathan India, number 10 for me, just sneaks onto this list. He's currently hurt right now and has been hurt pretty much all this season. Uh, so I'm just going base, practically just based off of last year's stats. On to number nine. Number nine, I have Gene Segura still in the top 10. I know he's kind of a, a Gene Segura light nowadays, but it's still consistent enough for me. Number nine for me has got to be Jeff McNeil. Uh, he's a guy that I was thinking about maybe leaving off this list, but uh, I feel like he's just a better Gene Segura at this point in his career. Obviously it's left-handed as well. Uh, Segura hits right-handed, but McNeil second and second baseman this year in WC, WRC plus with a 135 but he obviously just doesn't hit for power uh, and his fielding isn't the greatest, but one of the best contact hitters in the game right now. Uh, and that leads them to the number nine spot for me on to number eight. Okay. So I think three through eight, in my opinion, are pretty interchangeable. So Santiago Espinal's here at eight. I think he is having a, a better season than number eight, but these other guys have been doing it for a little longer. So I'm going to give them the nod. Yeah. Espinal's a guy I would have put in my honorable mentions as well. Uh, number eight for me though, and six through eight are really guys that have proved in the past that they should be on this list, but maybe aren't having the years where they really deserve to be super, super high on this list. Uh, and so number eight for me is going to be Ketel Marte, great player for the Diamondbacks, just got his extension over this past off season, but he just hasn't been doing as good as what I expected. He's not this MVP candidate that he was a couple years ago with, um, still great. And that lands him at number eight on my list for second baseman. On to number seven. Number seven, I have Gleber Torres. Uh, he's kind of shown he's got the power back. Definitely a lot better defensively at second than shorter or third base. So uh, he makes the list. Yeah. Number seven for me is going to be a guy who's in his first year of playing second base, and that's Trevor Story. Off to super slow start in April, got hot in May, and now has kind of, I wouldn't say fizzled out, but it's just – playing average ball at this point a guy who just like Catal Marte was one of the best players in baseball a few years ago has now at this point kind of gone down a little bit but I'm letting his credentials show uh and prove that he deserves a spot on this list for sure and that lands about number seven on to number six number six I have Jeff McNeil 
uh, you know, a crazy hit tool guy and uh, slowed down last year, but he's right back to where he should be, you know, hitting over 300, like you said, second in, in WRC plus he's, he's raking this year. Yeah. Number six for me is going to be Marcus Semyon. Super, super slow start this year. Just hit his first home run for the Rangers uh, about a week ago. And now, or not about a week ago, about probably two weeks ago at this point. And now he has three. Uh, Matt Carpenter still has more home runs than him, though. And Matt Carpenter started playing baseball for the Yankees uh, about 10 days ago. Anyways, Semyon, good defense. Great bat. Just hasn't met there this year. But still got to be put at number six on this list for me. On to number five. Number five, I have Tommy Edmond, uh, one of the most clutch guys on this list, I think. And he's just kind of good at everything. Steel base. He has proved he has more power than we thought he did this year. And, and uh, <coughs> getting on base, of course. You can't steal the base if you don't get on it. Yeah, number five for me here is going to be a guy that you might not have on your list, and that's Andres Jimenez. This dude is so underrated. He's hitting over 300 this year for the Guardians. Uh, contact hitter similar as a guy like Jeff McNeil, but he's got great speed and he plays amazing defense for the Guardians, and that lands him at number five. And he just does everything that that's right for a second baseman: hit for contact, have speed, play great defense, and be there day in day out. And that's what he is for the Guardians right now. Uh, not higher on this list because other guys just do that that job better. So. We'll get there in a little bit. On to number four, though. Number four, I have Cattell Marte. Uh, slow season, but the advanced metrics still love him. And he should bounce back. He's got it. I, I like I like his chances of bouncing back more than some of the other guys on my list. So he's up here. Yeah, Cattell's in a spot where he can just play baseball. He doesn't have to focus on anything else. Mm-hmm. Like uh, as far as the Rangers, maybe. And, and I know for the Red Sox, for sure, they're in a playoff race. Uh, Diamondbacks. Sure, they were in it for a little bit. At this point, they've kind of fallen out of it. Uh, I believe they've lost six in a row at this point and sit like seven or eight games under 500. So he can just play baseball at this, this point. And I think that's really good for Cattell Marte. But number four for me is going to be Ozzy Albies, the man that just hon- owns the handle of Ozzy on Instagram. So that's kind of cool. But uh, besides that, super good second baseman. Obviously, was a big part of that World Series team last year for the Atlanta Braves. That gets them at number four for me. On to the top three, Skyler. Who do you got here? Yeah, three's Aussie for me. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. pretty well said by Skyler right there. <laughs> number three for me is going to be Tommy Edmond, uh, one of my favorite players to watch in the big leagues. Uh, I think of Andres Jimenez, but better. Literally everything he does better. He hits for more power, hits for good contact, steals a ton of bases. He already has 14 this year and plays stellar defense at that second base spot for the Cardinals, which are getting hot on to the number two spot. Skyler, who do you got here? Number two, I got jazz Chisholm. This is a future superstar and it uh, doesn't happen at second base very often. Yeah. Jazz jazz is a stud. Uh, and it really is this year that he's really getting the respect that he deserves where he is being put at super high on these lists. He's in for pop. He's got speed, plays good defense. Uh, He's a he's a five tool player at the second base position. That's not really something that we see too too often. Uh, but number one, a guy that is pretty unanimous here plays definitely all five tools pretty well, uh, and that's got to be Jose Altuve. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, we don't like him very much as A's fans, but you got to give them the respect. They're not cheating, as we know, these past uh, couple years here. But uh, he's still putting up crazy offensive numbers at five foot what six. It's uh, yeah. it's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, the, he's a mainstay at number one on this list. Uh, I see how people could have put Semi in last year, Catal Marte in the year that he was a top three MVP candidate. But, I mean, Altuve, man, this guy has been around for some time now at this point uh, and is going to have a potential Hall of Fame resume when it's all said and done if they didn't cheat. So, yeah. Stuff. Uh, one thing, though, before we get to halftime, as we finish our second baseman list, is we're going to be talking about the White Sox and how how they're just they're just not good. Like, I, I, it's as simple as that right now. Yeah. Uh, so what – I mean, why are the White Sox so disappointing? Like, why is that? I think Tony La is holding them back. 
I think they, they at least the lineup, they don't feel free. Uh, and I guess if we just look at the numbers here, it's the pitching outside of the top two guys, Kopech and, uh, and cease, they've been horrible. They have the same runs against as the A's and the A's are the third worst team in baseball. You can't do that. Yeah. This, this team has been super injured. Uh, right now they have Lance Lynn, Eloy Jimenez, Garrett Crochet and Tim Anderson, all hurt. I know Crochet isn't coming back for the rest of the year. Eloy is going to be out for some time. Tim Anderson should be be out for that long and Lance Lynn probably within the next month or so should be back. So they probably going to get a few of those guys back in somewhat near future, but they're not scoring runs at all right now. Uh, they're currently sit fourth lowest in the league uh, or in the AL as far as runs scored. And they haven't even scored 200 runs yet. Uh, they're just dumb too. I, I think it's as simple as that too. I think they're a very shitty base running team. They, I don't think that they have a good locker room. I think Tony LaRusse is past, past his prime, to say the least, at this About point. About 20 years. Exactly, yeah. And, and they got it into the playoffs last year because they just had one of the best rosters in the league. I think uh, we saw it this year with the Padres and Bob Melvin being in there. If Bob Melvin was the manager of this White Sox team, this would probably be a for sure 101 team. Like, it's it's just how it would be. Tony LaRusse, past his prime, was a great manager just isn't now at this point. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and send it to halftime though. Uh, and yeah. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome to halftime. And we're starting off with some bad news within minor league baseball. And that's top prospect for the Orioles now at this point, since sadly Rutschman has gotten called up Grayson Rodriguez. I think he's the highest ranked pitching prospect in all of baseball. Was supposed to be up this year. Grade two lat strain. And he's likely going to be out until 2023. The Orioles want to be super, super conservative with this guy. They don't want to rush him, especially when they've big league club is nowhere near competing for anything at this point. Uh, So unfortunate for us, unfortunate for me as I have him in fantasy and fortunate for all the baseball fans, just because we just want to see this guy pitch in the big leagues. We know how good his stuff is, but we're going to likely have to wait another year uh, for that guy. Mm-hmm. On to some hockey, Skyler. What do we got here? Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're getting down to it in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs here. Monday night, last night, we saw the Avalanche beat the Oilers in overtime. They swept them on their home ice for nothing. They're going to the Stanley Cup, and I wonder. Oh, Tampa Bay's up two nothing now at home in Game Four against the Rangers. This will likely tie the series up two two, uh, so that should be fun. I know Kyle will talk about this again, but winner of this series, the Rangers in Tampa Bay, they're going to face McKinnon and the boys from Colorado. I'm excited, and should I'm usually not up. excited about color, uh, not Colorado, uh, about hockey. So very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good <laughs> cup with the Avs going ahead and sweeping the Oilers uh, over. This past week, didn't expect that series to be done so quick, but it really just shows how underrated the Avalanche are as a squad. Yeah. But man, keep going. Yeah, we got one more thing in halftime here. It's college baseball. The regionals are done, like I talked about a little bit earlier. And uh, we got super regionals starting on June 10th. It's best two out of three. So the first regional, super regional, sorry, the Knoxville super regional, number one, Tennessee facing Notre Dame. Uh, Sorry, Irish fans. That one should be over pretty quickly. The Greenville super regional, that's going to be East Carolina taking on Texas. Should be a good matchup. That's an eight and a nine ranked team. The College Station super regional, that's number five, Texas A&M. Hosting number 12, Louisville. Louisville just took down uh, Oregon, like I talked about earlier. The Blacksburg Super Regional, number four, Virginia Tech, taking on unranked Oklahoma, who snuck into the Super Regional. Similar here with the Stanford Super Regional, number two, Stanford, comeback win the other night. They're going to take on unranked UConn. The Chapel Hill Super Regional, of course, that's number 10, North Carolina. They're taking on unranked Arkansas, who I think scored 30 runs in one of their regional games, which is pretty crazy. 
the uh, Hattiesburg Super Regional. That's number 11th ranked Southern Miss hosting Ole Miss, who's unranked. That should be fun. And what I think is the best matchup here, the Corvallis Super Regional, hosted by number three Oregon State. They're taking on number 14 Auburn. And uh, College World Series starts on the June 17th. Um, that should be fun. Uh, but these are these are double elimination rounds. Best two out of three starting on the 10th. Yeah, All right, that's halftime. Fun. <laughs> yeah, any, any big time baseball in June is always fun to watch. And uh, obviously we get to see a lot of the future MLB players uh, within yeah. that college baseball world series. So we're looking forward to that. No Vandy boys though. That's too bad. They sucked this year. So it doesn't really <laughs> matter on to the second half. And the second half is all about basketball. We're talking about the finals. First, of course, we're through two games series is tied one, one, Game one went to the Celtics in epic fashion as they have that crazy fourth quarter comeback, shoot like 90% within the quarter and win, take down the Warriors 120 to 108. The Celtics lose game two, though. They can't follow it up, losing 88 to 107. A big win for the dubs there. Pretty much destroyed the Celtics in all facets of that game. Uh, now the series shifts to Boston. Game three is tomorrow, Wednesday night, and then game four is Friday night before the series shifts back to the Bay. I mean, the series, uh, I mean, we don't really know at this point. I mm. think as Warriors fans, we we want what we want, uh, obviously. But right now, I mean, it's pretty interesting. What do you what do you think, Skyler, in the first two games of the series? What have you seen? After two games, I don't think I'm going to change my opinion on anything here. I still think the Warriors are going to win in seven games. I just think it's more likely that guys like Looney and and Draymond Green and Jordan Poole and Gary Payton continue their their consistency here more than I like the odds of Al Horford and, and Pritchard and Derek White scoring another combined 60 points or whatever, you know. And uh, I think having that uh, game seven at home will be huge for the Warriors. Definitely. Yeah, it's... I didn't think the Warriors would lose at home this whole postseason. That's why I, th- I had the Warriors in six games. I thought they'd steal one in Boston. I do think there probably is a pretty good chance they steal one in Boston. And I think that's got to be the main goal for the Warriors yeah. uh, ahead. So I'm keeping my prediction at Warriors in six. I do think that's pretty possible there that the Warriors take three out of four uh, in these next three uh, or next four. But Warriors in seven also sounds pretty nice as well. It just has some insurance there. I'm sticking the prediction at six, though, and uh, taking the dubs there. I mean, first two games, though, Steph has been amazing. Jason Tatum had an off first game, pretty good second game, but it was just flip-flop for, for Boston in, in that uh, first two games. I mean, we saw one consistent, and that was Jalen Brown getting buckets in both games. But first game... Boston has all these guys, random guys, just scoring 20 points for them. Second game, those guys do literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Tatum takes over, but Jalen Brown has had like 25 points in each game at this point. Steph Curry, man. How about him so far? He's been amazing so far this series. He has been. You know, but, uh, I think my favorite moment of the series was, uh, was Jordan Poole in the third quarter of game yeah. two. Yeah, his three from half court was definitely the, the standout uh, in that game for sure. Is I felt it as if it, as if it was a dagger. I didn't really know it at that point because just because of the Celtics come back the day before. Or yeah, game before. they did the same thing. But uh, yeah. I definitely felt as if that was a dagger right there after looking at it. Uh, it just we didn't have to play our starters after that. And that's really nice in the game uh, within the finals where you have these super physical games. We saw Draymond play super physical within game two. And I think he really executed his uh, style of play that he wanted to is I think his main goal was to just get under Boston's skin. And he definitely got under Grant Williams skin. He got under Jalen Brown's skin, got him talking about him uh, within the press conference. And that's not really something that you see Jalen Brown do. Usually he's a guy that stays in line a lot uh, and doesn't really talk about that stuff, but seeing him talk about that definitely makes that intriguing. What do you think about Draymond's, style of play in 
game two, really. I didn't really see it much in game one, but game two, what do you think of Draymond? Yeah, you know, I I don't really get all the complaining. You know, he's played like this his entire career. Why are you trying to get him kicked out now? Uh, I'm okay with it. You know, if he can stay focused while he's doing it, why not? You know, that's why he's out there. For sure. Draymond, his whole thing is to to expose their weaknesses. And I think uh, when he sees a young team that has these guys like Grant Williams and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, all these guys, he understands that, Hey, if I get under these guys skin, then maybe they're going to take their mind off the ultimate goal. And that's one of the finals, obviously. Uh, But one thing that we do need to talk about before getting on to our next topic is Clay Thompson and his slow start within the series. He did have 15 points in game one of a shot under uh, about 40% there. And then game two, he had a really tough game, only having 11 points. And his uh, line from the field was uh, four for 19, one of eight from three, a couple of free throws to get him to 11 points. So, but uh, I mean, Clay Thompson, I, I personally, I think he's going to be just fine within the series. I think we've seen this with Clay a lot this year, more than years past where he's had a bad game or two and people are like, oh, Clay's, Clay's off. But next thing you know, he scores 30. And it's all good. Uh, do you think we're going to see Clay come back and play well in this rest of the series? So uh, the thing is, I, I do think it is concerning. But the big thing is, in every series so far, he's came back so strong in game five or six. Uh, and so I'm not I wouldn't take him out of the rotation or sit him during certain certain periods. I, I think you have to keep him out there because. He's just he's one of those few guys in NBA history who can catch fire at any point. And he's unstoppable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and one more thing I do want to talk about before we get on to the Utah Jazz and their interesting offseason that they are about to have. I want to talk about those role players for Boston, the the Grant Williams, the the Al Horford, the Derek White, the Peyton Pritchard. Uh, and we've seen two dr- different drastics uh, in the two games so far. And uh, we talked about that a little bit already, uh, but with that craziness in game one of them scoring so much, and then that game two where they literally do nothing. What do you think we're going to see? What's more likely I'd say is, or what will happen with, with those guys? Are they going to kind of sit back into the roles? Are they going to have, is this just an off game here? Or was that game one, a complete fluke? We're not playing Denver. We're playing Boston in the finals here. And what we saw in game one was the Warriors treating those guys like they were Denver's role players on an an already beaten down team. And you can't leave them wide open. You got to guard them. Uh, And uh, especially this, this Warriors team, you know, they're, they're going to have their moments where it's hard to rotate. But other than that, I think we're not going to see as dramatic of a, of a shooting performance as we saw in game one, you know, it's, I think we've learned our lesson now. All right. This team is in the finals for a reason. Let's actually guard them. Yeah. I I don't want to say game one was a fluke because they hit a lot of open shots within that game, but I think game two is a more accurate representation of how the Celtics are going to play offense within the series uh, and that's just how good the Warriors are on defense. And they showed that in game two, holding Boston to just 38 points within that second half. Uh, and it was once Tatum went cold or not cold, but like he just didn't shoot the ball as much, honestly, uh, within that second half. I think it was it's fair to say that the Celtics were done for. And. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see tomorrow, see how these things hold up and if what we say will, is true. Uh, it should bode well for the Warriors, to say the least, and uh, hopefully that leads to our fourth ring in the last eight years. So that'd be hype. Would be pretty hype. Next up, we're talking about the Jazz. I alluded to it just about a minute ago. Uh, Quinn Snyder, their head coach of I think eight years or six years at this point, uh, resigns. Kind of understands and kind of tells us a, a bit about the Jazz's future and how. Him resigning is probably going to lead to Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and those guys finding new homes over this next year or two. Uh, so do you think the Jazz are going to blow it up or do you think they're going to find some coach and get one last stand uh, for this team that, uh, I don't know, has any more stands in them left? 
they're absolutely going to blow it up. You don't have your longtime coach who's been really successful just resign out of the blue. You know, someone upstairs told him, this is going to happen. You can stay if you want, but we're not going to win. And we see this in every sport. We saw it most recently with Bob Melvin with the A's. You know, it was a situation where we we really like you, but we're, you know, we have no future with you. And... I don't, I don't know if there's anything else to say here. Uh, this seems pretty obvious to me. Like, hey, buddy, you know, you can stay, but we're trading our top six players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it, the Jazz are going to blow it up. I don't think Donovan Mitchell wants to be there. Uh, and if Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be there, then unless Rudy Gobert wants to be the main star of a team, which is not really possible, uh, he's definitely going to be leaving too. So that leads us into our next point if this team does blow up, where does their main star go? And where does Donovan Mitchell play next season? I think the top uh, choice here has got to be the Knicks. He was a fan of them. He, there's been a lot of rumors. So that makes sense to me. I'm trying to think of maybe a, a number two I could see him going to. Um, I don't even know. Who who has room for him? Well, the room is like a weird thing within basketball because no team has room for anybody technically. Uh, like I think the the team that has the most cap space going into this off season has five million dollars in cap yeah. space. Like everything is just so fucked over in, in the NBA. I like how the NFL does it, and it just looks better that way as well. You kind of have a better re- accurate representation uh, for it, but. Well, you're thinking of a team, I'll go ahead and throw one out there. Uh, I do think the Knicks, uh, like you were saying, are yeah. a good option. And another sleeper team could be Miami. I w- that it, was going to be the one. It's like, if, I, 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 they might be sick of Duncan Robinson. You yeah, know, that could be a trade piece. Well, Duncan Robinson is a contract that the Miami Heat are definitely going to move because $90 million for him just yeah. doesn't make sense. Uh, at this point, there's probably a couple other teams that could be thrown into that list. Uh, I just had one. It just escaped out of my mind. Uh, Definitely Portland. <laughs> yeah, Portland. Uh, what was it? Toronto wants another star. Toronto, yeah, Toronto's an option. Uh, I, I, I had it, and I. New Orleans. Oh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Okay. How about that? If okay. they they get rid of Drew Holiday. Uh, and go a different direction as far as that, maybe they'd probably have to move like a Bobby Porsche too. So it probably ends up being a net loss for them. But Donovan Mitchell adds another star to that team. Another guy can score. Not exactly the two-way player that Milwaukee would want, but it's an intriguing situation. I feel like pretty much any team can add a star based off of how much their owners really want to pay for that luxury tax. So kind of any team is an option here. The Lakers... That's always an option, but I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is probably going to be on the move. So we'll see where he plays next year. Uh, but if I had to bet on any spot being besides Utah, I'd probably go to New York. Let's go ahead and get to our layups and our bold predictions, and then let's here. go ahead and get on out of here. Uh, so last week, I had the Yankees over the Angels on Wednesday. That was going to be Nestor Cortez versus Reed Detmers. Uh, that game got postponed, so I moved to the next day, and that changed from Detmers to Shohei Otani. But we already know that this game hit because the Angels haven't won since our last recorded podcast anyways. Uh, so that's a green for me. And then Skyler had Tampa Bay win in the series versus the White Sox. I expected this to hit. It didn't, though. Uh, so that's tough there for Skyler. Let's Makes go no ahead sense. and get... To this week, though, and I have the Eastern Conference Finals in hockey going to seven games. I think uh, Lightning are up 3 nothing now at this point. I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to go ahead and take that game. And I just I think both of these teams are too good to, to have this series be decided in six. So I'm hoping just because for the sake of sports, everybody likes game sevens that this one goes to that that perfectness in sports game seven. Let's go. What do you got? I got the Mets winning the series at the angels. 
this weekend. I know maybe since Joe Madden got fired, that uh, strikes some confidence in the Angels, but whatever they get from it, I think will die out by the time we get to the weekend series. Yeah. On to last week for the bold predictions. Uh, I had the Mets taking three out of four from the Dodgers. The Dodgers took the first two of the series and then the Mets took the final two. So they had a split there in LA and then Skyler had Boston wins the game embarrassing style versus going to state. And that pretty much is what happened. Pretty Even much. The final yeah. score wasn't embarrassing that that comeback in game one was pretty embarrassing for the dubs and especially embarrassing, embarrassing for us fans this week though, I have the Yankees sweeping the Cubs, not a series that happens too often. One only once every three years, we're getting it this time here in the Bronx. I think the Yanks are too hot for the Cubs to handle, so they will sweep them. Uh, that's going to be Sunday Night Baseball. I know that. Skyler, this is an interesting one for you because this yeah. really is not that bold. So Really? The, the Avs are the favorite. So Okay. 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 So let's just get into it. I have the Avs winning the cup here. I figured Tampa Bay would still be a favorite. Even it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Tampa Bay will probably still be a favorite, but it's not going to be like some plus 200 odds of them winning. I bet it'd be like plus 150. The big reason why I have this is I didn't like any of the other stuff that was happening this week. I wanted to do hockey and you already took the conference final one. So what about a, a short nice. series? Are we saying? No, I, well, I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, yeah. Everyone's one at home, right? Uh, in the Eastern Conference one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So yeah, I got the Avs, Nathan McKinnon, and the boys. The boys, man. Yeah. Brett would be proud. Brett would. I'm definitely sorry be if it's proud. not bold enough, but uh, it maybe it's bold for me to pick something in hockey, and that's why it's a bold prediction. That's fair. That's fair. Anyways, that's gonna do it for episode yeah. 91. Uh, sorry for the late upload, but that's just how it goes sometimes. The way of the road. Exactly. It's the way the road is. Sometimes the road's closed. Uh, so you got to you gotta take an audible sometimes. Skylar should know that reference for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll see you all in episode 92. More baseball. Definitely more basketball. Probably some more hockey. College baseball. Probably some news from OTAs. Maybe we'll see another manager fired. We got two firings this past week, Joe Girardi and Joe Madden, but uh, I doubt it. So I don't know. We'll see you next Tuesday. All right. Go. uh, Just kidding. Go Rangers. Go Dubs. And go Warriors. Adios.